got friends, only wanna talk business. I got expensive, the wind is expensive. I got expensive, the wind is expensive. I've been reading all the war. And I've been shutting out the stars. Yeah, cause when it rain, then it pours. Yeah, and I'm ready for some more. Yeah. To put that copy down, the Freight Sales Podcast for Closers. My name is Kevin Hill, and we're going to talk about freight sales today. We're going to talk about carrier relationships. Very important if you're a freight broker, uh, it's the chicken and egg. What comes first, carrier relationships or your book of business, you're selling uh, shippers. So here, joined again with my guest co-host, Chris Jolly, the Freight Sales, uh, the Freight Coach. The Freight Coach. <laughs> I know. I always want to put cells in there. Yeah, I know. It's all good. We, we for The freight coach, is, it rings better at this point for me. <laughs> it, it does. It is. The freight coach. So uh, tell our listeners out there who aren't familiar with you, Chris, exactly what you do. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, my name is Chris Jolly. I've been in transportation indirectly my entire life. And my company right now, we focus on sales and operations training within transportation. I work with both carriers and brokers alike. And we focus on pretty much anything you could possibly need in that regard. Uh, and we, we really just enjoy working and helping people discover, you know, inefficiencies within their own operations. And, you know, something that I always enjoy is, you know, sometimes the, the, a fresh perspective is the best perspective. It is. The, the, a fresh perspective perspective is the best perspective. I, I like that that philosophy that you have there. This is an interactive show. We're, we're live on LinkedIn and FreightWaves TV. If you're on LinkedIn, I am sitting here uh, looking at the comments. So please feel free to, to share your comments, questions, anything of the like. And I'd like to thank our sponsor, Zimbles. Uh, thank you to our sponsor, Zimbles. You want to crush your numbers, so stop random prospecting. Zimbles can tell you who is spending on shipping and gets you those leads instantly. Take your sales process from a 95% failure rate to a 50% success rate. Go to start.zimbles.com slash free trial and sign up for a demo today. Leads are important, aren't they, Chris Jolly? Oh, extremely important, you know, and especially the right qualified leads, because I think there's so much that's out there that, you know, kind of leads you astray. And it's almost like information overload at that point, and it, and it prohibits you from, jumping on the phone you know you're like you're spending too much time on it when you have the right lead that puts you down the right path i mean it just saves so much time uh throughout your day because i mean at least in my opinion minutes saved lead to hours saved lead to days saved and that's just you know better for the overall uh, operating efficiencies of our businesses we, we kind of touched on this last uh week with rachel heaps from uh transportation yeah. impact and she I, I think she asked you how much time you spend on researching leads you said three minutes and yeah, I, I give it a, a three-minute mark. That gives you enough time to pull up a website, see what they're actually doing. So we're not calling and just saying, "Hey, we'll do all of your freight." We got, you know, we got great reefer carriers mm -hmm. in your area, and they, you know, manufacture plastic bottles, and they don't need it. You know, so it's like I'm all about just taking a couple of minutes to find out a little bit about them, and it will really help you point your call in the right direction. Yeah, just find out enough for a couple of good questions, good quality questions. That's all you need. Yeah. You don't need their entire background. And I think that's something that once I got into freight brokerage about 10 years ago, I saw, and I see this in a lot of other industries too, is, and it's a, it's a question that, that I'm going to pose to you. I have my answer that I'll, I'll give yeah. after, after the fact. But should salespeople, should you hire salespeople to come in the door and have them spend 40, 50% of their time looking for who to call? Or do you want them on the phone 
making those calls with qualified mm. leads, right? I mean, it's it's. I think I, it's I a see no it, it's, it's, Yeah. I, 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 I see freight brokerages phone. all the time. You're responsible for every lead you bring in. Of course, you know you are responsible for going out and getting referrals. You are responsible for kind of doing your own research. But that 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 baseline foundation of leads. What do you think? I think that, you know, if you're in a position as an organization where you can provide those leads for your team, invest in that in, because that, you know, get them on the phone because I mean, it's a numbers game at the end of the day, Kevin, as we mm -hmm. both know, like you need to be on the phone, establishing some form of contact with your prospects to grow. But if you're out there and you are sourcing your own leads, train them on how to effectively do it. So we're mm -hmm. not wasting those precious seconds throughout the day to where they can go down a rabbit hole and end up not making 50% of their calls because they got stuck, you know, on some random website. I, have you ever done this, Chris? Have you ever gone on Google Maps, looked at a customer or a consignee or, or shipper that, that you're in contact with, look in that industrial park, look at other places around there, and then go to their website, and then you might find their phone number, but then you go on LinkedIn and try to find who might be in charge of transportation. And then about an hour and a half later, it's lunchtime. Yes, 100%. Like that, that it's, I've, I've done all of that stuff. And that, that's essentially how I was, you know, had to source a lot of my own leads. Now I got better with it where it was like, hey, we're delivering to, you know, Chattanooga there and we're going to this street address. We're going to pull that up and see that there's seven different warehouses in the area. And then you're going to click find their phone number, what they produce, call. Not go down that rabbit hole of, oh, I wonder how big they are. Or, oh, you know what? I wonder if they're going to like the sound of my voice. You know, so it's like, it, take that time. You, you know, Google Maps is a phenomenal lead generation tool if you know how to really go about, you know, d dissecting what, what uh, those companies are actually doing. I think you. I think all salespeople should have their their wish list or their not not really their wish list, but their their top people that you know, the top goals, top twenty accounts they want to bring on. Spend a lot of time on that. But the other part of the time, I think if yeah, a company should generate enough leads to where mm -hmm. if you want to come in and make a hundred cold calls that day, you can come in and make a hundred without searching and finding a hundred leads. Yeah, but I I don't know. I'm so. I, I just think that the hundred cold call a day thing, I just don't find it effective. I think like you got to find that perfect number, you know, and I think that if, you know, depending on it, because like if you are providing your sales reps with the leads to make the calls, you got to work with them a little bit because they can't just sound like they're just calling a number for the sake of calling a number. And that's generally what comes across when you're KPI to hit a hundred calls a day. That's a lot. You know? It is, and I, I I think like that sweet spot is like around the fifty mark because I think like you know ten calls, twelve calls maybe in an hour. That's a good spot for you to do your research and to ask the right questions because, I mean let's let's be honest. The reality is is you're going to get a voicemail, or you're going to get fifteen seconds, and you better maximize those fifteen seconds if they pick up the phone. You better. I, that's the only 15 seconds you're going to get, probably, right? We, we used yeah. to do, um, uh, before freight brokers and in freight brokers as well, you know, the power hours, right? You'd, yeah. you'd look up your leads, you'd do research, you'd get your, your kind of your hook down. And then for an hour, you turned off everything you just called. And then yeah. again, another hour in the afternoon. And you could make your 50 or 60 calls. I, I never really made 100 calls a, a day as a freight broker. I did in a previous life sales doing something else. And I tell you what, I don't really want to go back and do a hundred calls a day anymore, <laughs> but I would, I, I would. Yeah. 
No, for sure. And I think every sales leader, manager out there can say this. They would rather take 40 quality calls every single day than 60 wasted calls to where they're just pushing through. And then essentially you're, you're wasting 100 calls a day because you're like, oh, I got to get 95 more calls in. I can't talk to you much longer, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Prospect. I got to hang up. I got 95 other companies to call. So I think there's a, like it, – it, it's a sweet spot, but, you know, I, I don't know. It's a – I'm sure there's multiple sides to that argument. There, there are. There, there are multiple sides. So there's multiple philosophies. And again, what, you, what we see in freight brokers a lot of times is that you're responsible for 100% of the leads and the research. And yes. that it's just time consuming. If you find a better way to do that, to find qualified leads for your, for your, uh, for your salespeople to, to, to call, it's a, a much better uh, proposition for you. Yeah, no, you definitely. Know? I agree. It definitely is. Well, I should have hit refresh a little bit sooner on LinkedIn because now uh, we're flooded <laughs> with comments here. Uh, Jake McLeod, your buddy that was on yeah. your podcast. Uh, tell us he a little was. bit about your podcast so, that you do every week. Yeah, I do two times a week I've been releasing episodes, Coffee with the Freight Coach. And it's I like to interview everybody across the industry. You know, I love speaking with, you know, your founders of organizations because as an entrepreneur, I think success leaves clues and to be able to listen to like the struggles that a lot of these successful business individuals have had to go through, it helps out in my journey. And I also love to hear from the people who are in the day-to-day -day grind still every single day. They're going through, they're making these 100, you know, 50 to 100 cold calls in a day. They're trying to establish these carrier relationships. And it's like, I just want to give the, like the real unfiltered side of freight of, hey, this is legitimately what you're going to go through. You know, and it's like, and then me sitting in that seat for, you know, practically a decade, I can resonate with you. You know, I've been there. I've been a carrier sales rep, a customer sales rep, and in leadership. I know it. So. Well, that's, that's great. We're about to call, uh, we're about to talk about carrier sales here. Uh, Jake McLeod agrees with you. Do not waste time researching leads to death. Definitely. I, I can't, I can't agree with that more by myself as well. Our own Haley Fazio here at, at Freight Waves, 100%. Uh, Lisa Kuchinis, uh, I haven't heard of Zimbles until this live, so I haven't had the chance to research much yet, but she's going to go do a demo. So that's always good okay. news. Uh, Derek Staples, I ran a program with five new reps, and they were doing, on average, 80 cold calls a day. So that's, that's, that's a lot, man, a yeah. 80 80 is a lot. Then Matt Henning, uh, I'm not extending my vehicle's warranty. Please quit calling me 100 times per day. So I think those are robocalls. Correct. But it's my That's robocall awesome. that I just have Matt Henning on yeah. speed dial. I just call him every single day. Me too. Me too. You know, you, yeah, I know, right? We all call Matt Henning every single day trying to, trying to sell him something. But yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about bad marketing now, Chris. No, or I go. don't know if it's bad marketing, but it's just a perilous times. You never know when your brand is going to get hit, and you never yeah. know when it's going to get hit. And oftentimes, you're just not prepared for the, the backlash, and that's what we see with Robin Hood right now. I oh, mean, yeah. tell you what, I tell you, I, I, I don't even know what to say half the time on this I, whole I, GameStop I, and uh, yeah. the, the meme stocks and the, the Reddit users. Uh, but Alex Lieberman from, he's the founder and CEO of Morning Brew. Uh, he had this tweet out there and it's, it's so true. Robinhood is, is, 
sorry, Robinhood is officially a case study in the fragility of brand. It took them seven years to build up confidence in their platform. It took them one day to switch from by the people to against the people. Yeah. And whether that's a fair, fair assessment of that or not, that's what most people believe. I, I mean, I would agree with that statement. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and that's the thing is it's like as a brand and when you're trying to build it up, like it does take a very long time to do that. And then the second you step away from what you've been preaching this whole time, everything goes away. And it happens just like that. And I know the Robin Hood example, like I've done, I, I have my own opinion on the matter, on the matter, excuse me. And, you know, I think Dave Portnoy of Barcelona Sports sounded up right. They need to go to prison. Like that's criminal what they were doing. And like, I, that's, I, I watched his video because he put, you know, and he was on multiple news platforms talking about this as well as the market, market manipulation to that level is, I mean, come on, if they're going to allow that, why do we even have laws at this point? Uh, yeah, you know, the, the CEO of Robinhood uh, went on CNN, a couple other shows, uh, trying to explain their position, uh, didn't do a very good job at it. Uh, so, I mean, I, I don't know if they're in the middle of margin calls or two, but whatever it is, it's been a disaster. And it reminds me the, uh, of disasters of when you, uh, you're responsible for your carriers, right? Yes. You, no, you are I, responsible for that. And there are some blow ups and some, some real major disasters that can happen with that. And ultimately, uh, at least in front of your customer, you are responsible. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and like, that's, and I don't, I, like, it's an afterthought because you're like, oh, they're a separate company. But no, no, no. Every time you source a carrier, they are a part of your brand. They are a part of your organization. They are the first point of contact at a lot of our shippers and receivers that are out there. So are you willing to risk all of that from the beginning inception? You're, you're essentially telling your sales rep who is out there hunting down this account because I've had accounts take sometimes eight months worth of prospecting to bring on before they finally gave us an opportunity. Are you willing to risk all of that time for one slip up to mistreat somebody to ruin your company's credibility? Cause it's not, it's not just that one carrier. It's that one shipper, that one person that they uh, may have misspoken to or however that scenario looks, they're going to remember you for the rest of their career. That brand yes. is tarnished and it doesn't matter. The next person that comes in, you're going to be on that hold that, that no fly list. Essentially, you're never allowed in and out of the, any of their facilities ever again. And then it just spider webs out from there because then they go somewhere else. And they're like, Oh, I don't know why I don't want to work with ABC brokerage, but I've been told that. So I'm going to continue to keep that preconceived notion in my head. So there are massive side ripples that, that go about uh, w- w- in regards to carrier sourcing. So, Chris, let me ask you this question. Yeah. How many times have you personally or seen this happen um, within the companies you've worked or, or consulted with, you know, spending, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight months, as you just said, bringing in a new customer, right? And that the first loads that go off are through carriers you don't know, whether that's a load board or, or whatever, right? You have no idea who you're putting on this load that you spent eight months working on deal, oftentimes, if it's a bid process, it, this might be your second or third time bidding. So it could be like a two or three year cycle. And the first yeah. loads that are, are, are immediately just thrown on the load board and, you know, uh, you know, quickly vetted. Right. And, yeah. and thrown on to them and disaster happens. 
I think early on in my career, more frequent. Um, it, it was that where, you know, it was, you're just shooting from the hip most of the time. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of trial and error in freight brokerage. Um, but the latter I, you know, in my career and I grew, and this is one thing that I work a lot with my clients on is it's like, and I know Kevin, you're a fan of this as well. You got to have a niche to start. So you can essentially capture both carrier and customer relationships at the same time. Because I don't care the most obscure lane that's out there, there's a carrier that's running that. And it's our job as a broker to find that capacity to provide because customers and carriers alike want the exact same thing. They want that consistency piece. And once you have that and you can leverage that inside of a niche region to start, and that's only to start here, you guys, you're going to grow out. That's the whole plan. But when you're beginning, that, that lessens that, you know, cheapest rate care or, you know, cheapest carrier off of the load board that you don't vet properly that, you know what, your, your back's against the wall. Cause you overcommitted for your first load, which if you're overcommitting on your first load, you might as well just give all your freight back. But <laughs> I think that if you know, you overcommit on that first load and then your back's against the wall, and then you're already going to, you're, you're going to ruin potentially risk and ruin a already fragile relationship because it like, let's be honest, it takes 20 or 30 shipments before that comfort starts to get built up with your customers. And are you going to roll the dice? Because it's just not worth it to me. It's not worth it, but I see it all the time. I, I see oh, it all yeah. the time uh, because it is, it's kind of the, the chicken and the egg. Uh, type. How much time are you going to spend getting carriers before you actually get the commitment from shippers? And it's an equation that every freight brokerage has to, and every freight broker within every freight brokerage, right, or 3PL, yeah. has to figure out, and it's not an easy answer. No, it, it's not an easy answer at all. Like, and this takes time because – you, you, no carrier is going to commit any capacity to you if you don't have freight for them, you mm -hmm. know? But I think that when you start small in that regard, it helps increase your chances of them. And it's all about, you know, just like when you're cold calling for customers, it's the same thing with carriers. It's all in the follow-up. If they do one load for you, why are you only using them one time? If they did a good job, heck, that's a massive hurdle to overcome when you have that reliability of a carrier partnership. And you can continuously bring that to the table. That's a win-win overall. It is. It, it definitely is. So we have some comments here. Dooners on yeah. the, the board talking Dooner. about Robin Hood because <laughs> I don't think he talks about anything else besides Robin Hood this week. <laughs> you know, it, it changes. He gets obsessed with an idea. And he just latches yeah. on. So how dare Robin Hood limit my irresponsible spending on Dogecoin? So right. and he talked me into buying a little bit of Dogecoin, too. Uh, I have about half the money I put in there right now. So thanks, Dooner. Uh, <laughs> and Jake says, keep pumping, uh, Dooner. Uh, John Ravinsky, uh, my focus is more specialized in the hazmat tank, tank yeah. truck and, and bulk trucking space. 100 calls a day for me makes no sense as I have to make sure we have the, the capacity to properly service the, the customer. And that makes all the sense in the world because that's highly specialized. That is a niche. And that, that's one of the benefits of being in a niche is if you can really dominate that, you don't have to be all things to all people, which means you do have to make 100 calls and yeah. then get you know, and, and go through all that work, get get an RFP, and then uh, your first first tendered load is is a lane that 
you know, who knows, you know, who, who knows the last time anyone's ever moved that. And all of a sudden you're scrambling and, and looking for, uh, for quick capacity and, and you get yourself in a jam. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Morgan, Morgan Kermanbun, it's, it's, it's way too easy to talk brand. Execution is critical and the key to sustainable branding. Agree with that, Morgan? Definitely. Yeah. So yeah. we're talking about carrier sales, carrier relationships right now. Well, let's go. We've been kind of talking about it, but let's dive a little bit deeper into yeah. the chicken and egg. You know, right. I, you know, do you need carriers first or shippers first? Something's got to be I, first. What do you think is is maybe not not the best method, but the, the simplest method to achieve? I think naturally it's you need the freight first. So you're going to need to cold call cost shippers and customers. Naturally, that's where it is, because like I at this point in my in my career, I know there's a very minimal chance a carrier is going to commit any capacity unless there's freight for them to move. But. I think that you need to spend equal amount of time, especially if you have, like if I'm coming into an organization that is already established, they already have a carrier sales team and a customer sales team. They have all of those tools at my disposal. I'm going to want to spend some of my time with the capacity team. I'm going to try and find out which lanes they're already moving at a higher volume with the same amount of carriers. And I'm going to try and source some freight for those carriers based off of that relationship. If I'm in a pure startup, it's just Chris Jolly, and I'm doing both, I'm dedicating 50% of my time. But then again, mm -hmm. I'm going to scale it back to the point where I am only operating in one niche region the whole time. And then I'm going to build out from there. And I will say that till I'm blue in the face. And that, that brings up the question too, and, and I haven't gotten your opinion on this yet, mm -hmm. credit to the grave or buy, sell Chicago model. What do you think? But what do you prefer? I, I think you, you've gotten um, to more on the buy sell side, right? Whenever you yeah. got into freight brokerage. Yeah, Chicago model buy sell side. I, I'm I'm a bigger fan of that because I think with cradle to grave, you have you're limiting yourself. Like you you're gonna reach a point that you can only do so much. And I, I like I would have a candid conversation with anybody who could argue that you can do a hundred thousand dollars a month in gross margin, moving 1500 shipments in a month by yourself. That's, that's a tall order. Well, was some people, I mean, I, I guess there's somebody out there who can do it, but very that's few, right. I would think. Yeah. I, I would, if you are doing that right now, I'd love to talk to you because there's a lot I can learn from you in that regard. But I think yes. like to, to, to actually grow out though, like you're going to hit a point. You know, like when you start out working for an organization, like I don't think there's anything wrong in like a cradle to grave model to like for your trial, 30, 60, 90 day, three month mm -hmm. training period to, to, to really grow out. And then you're going to get to a point where, hey, I have some consistent volume. Now let's bring capacity in to help me scale out from there. Um, I've just been in the model of the, the buy sell the whole time. And I see that you can scale a lot faster in that regard. You can. You definitely scale a lot faster. I started in the, the cradle to the grave, and there mm -hmm. are some limitations to that. And one of those is you might have a good, a really good customer, you know, a, a large one, 15,000, 20,000 uh, a month. 
but they take so much of your time that you're never going to add anybody else. You never have time to move anyone else's freight and you really do get bogged down. And you you might be able to to increase that book of business with that one customer uh, over time. But then again, I think we were talking about it uh, last week was diversifying your book of business. And if you're concentrated and you get them up to 25, 30,000, they take a walk, which all customers do sooner or later, then you mm-hmm. are really starting from scratch again and uh, and broke. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And that's the, that's the hardest part, I think, is knowing to not over, you know, I guess overindulge with one account where you're, you're, you're investing too much of your time. And I know like you guys, I understand this is all perfect world scenario here, you know, like, cause there's a lot that goes into it where you do get that one account that gives you twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month in business, and you've been eating table scraps for the last twelve months trying to get there. And then you get there, and it's tough. I, I understand that, but you need to think long term with this because unless you plan on only doing this job for two years, make as much money, and leave, maybe your mindset's different. But if this is your career, if you're invested in this for the next twenty five, thirty years, and you want to open up your own brokerage or however you want to segue from this, you cannot have all your eggs in one basket at all. Same with on the carrier side too. You cannot have one carrier who hauls 80% of your one customer's freight because those relationships are just as fragile as well. They are very fragile. The, the, the carrier relationships are, are, well, they're more fragile than the shipper relationships in a, in a lot of ways because yeah. they'll go, you know, it, it's basically about their network too. So yeah. at, at one time, the, the rate might still be good. It might be the same rate. And you, you keep on going over and over, maybe two, three loads a week. And all of a sudden, they lose one of their big customers. Their network changes. And all of a sudden, yeah. this lane that you've been running with them does not fit in anymore. So then what do you do? You have to start from scratch again. Yeah. And that's just, I mean, that's that's business in, in a nutshell right there is you yes. have to, like, it's it's a constant pivot. Like there, that is just going to happen. You won't like, and I think like it, it, once you expect that to happen though, Kevin, it lessens, it softens the blow a little bit because you're, you've been constantly preparing for that to happen. It does. Once you expect it, once you expect bad things to always happen or maybe not bad things, but challenges to oh, always happen, yeah. right? When, when adversity, when you just expect it and you you basically pre-plan for it because I'm never going to go out and get one carrier that, that will move all these loads. I'm going to find, I'm going to continuously find mm-hmm. more and more. I, I want options, right? Uh, yeah. Same with the, the diversifying your book of business, right? I, I don't want to have everything tied up into one deal. I want many deals. And you focus on making sure you have a pipeline in every single thing you do. Right. Uh, yeah. We always, no matter what we do, we have to have a serious pipeline because Things are always going to happen. Bad things are always going to happen. Adversity is always going to happen. A change of plans is always going to happen. Um, it, it's just a, a fact of life. And the, the, yeah. the, the earlier you realize that, the, the fuller pipelines you're going to build with everything you do. And, you know, sometimes that option two, option three that you're dreading turns out to be a better option than the one that, that was the status quo. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. <laughs> I agree. Well, I thank agree. you. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, let's um, well, let's talk about the importance of vetting carriers, right? That that's yeah. the lifeblood of freight brokerage. You had a recent episode, or at least a video on on LinkedIn, maybe a week or two ago, where you talked about vetting carriers. So. 
Freight Couch, please tell us your philosophy of vetting carriers. Um, to me, it's very simple. My, my philosophy on spending the time and vetting this is kind of like what we were already touching on. There are so many soft costs associated to your operation as a broker. It's not just dollars and cents of, of profit margin from shipments. We need to focus on the carrier acquisition costs, the customer acquisition costs. And like, I'm, I can't say I'm surprised by this because I like what we were saying. I know that there's a lot of people who just play the spot market and the load boards, and that's how they operate. And you know, you can make a lot of money doing that more power to you, but the cost of setting a carrier up, vetting them through compliance, if you have compliance, or you're the one who's actually doing that, speaking to insurance, verifying that everything they're providing is accurate and active. And going from there, you know, like really you should, you should focus on what that number is. What does it really cost to run a load through your operation? Is it 50 bucks when you factor in all the other, the additional overhead costs of, you know, accounting mm -hmm. or compliance or everything else, factor all of those things in to it. And I think be vocal with your team if you're in that regard, or if you're in startup mode and it's just you start tracking the amount of time that you have to invest in this. And remember that next time a carrier only wants an additional $50 to move your load, because that might help you out in the long run, just to pay that money and move on because you're not spending an additional amount of time trying to chase down a load to cover, or, you know, you're out there, you're fighting to get, you know, I, I understand everybody's incentivized differently here, but you want to pay 1500 the market's at 1600 bucks. Do you really want to beat somebody up over 50 to $75? And I get it. You want to increase your, your margins. I, I'm fully aware of that. But if that carrier falls off, then you have a team of four, for example, trying to recover that one load. And say it takes them two hours. And mm -hmm. you know, not everybody's out there pounding the phones the whole time trying to cover this load. They're all posting it up. They're going to kick their arms back and wait for those inbound calls to come in. Cause if you're living and dying by the spot market, I'm highly um, skeptical of your carrier sales team pounding the phones to try and get that one covered. They're going to throw a rate in there. And then all of a sudden, all those carriers who wanted 16, see it reposted. Now you're the, now they're rate 1700 bucks. What are you yeah. going to do? Yeah, it's a soft costs, right? So you can call them yeah. soft costs, indirect costs, opportunity costs. It's all the same thing, yeah. right? It's things uh, that are not usually calculated. And it's, they're hard to calculate. There's no KPIs in place for them yet. Uh, you can do calls to cover, time to cover. There's other kind of metrics, but it's very hard to determine, uh, especially when you have a, uh, a number of carrier salespeople out there making calls. It's hard to, to tell. It's kind of like marketing, right? You know, when you have yeah. three or four different marketing channels, you know, ROIs on each of those, very hard, very hard, difficult to, 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 to measure on those. So it's kind of the same thing. But yeah, carrier acquisition costs is something that I, I think very few brokers even pay attention to uh, yes. for, for the most part. But you're exactly right, 50 bucks. Yeah, okay, you're going to haggle over 50 bucks, you drop the load. And then two hours. So what's two hours of your time? And it kind of goes back to sourcing leads as well for, for shippers, yeah. right? How much are you paying for, for two hours to, to, to get eight leads, right? Well, there's, there's a cost to that, but no one really thinks about that. And those are those soft costs that are hidden there that increase your overhead. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And there's like, in my experience, yeah, I've only booked like three truckloads in my career. I'm, ki I'm kidding. But in my, ex in my experience... They're really only asking for about seventy-five to one hundred dollars more, 
there's not that big of a rate discrepancy that we're searching for. And I just don't feel the need after the amount of time that I've been in your guys' seats to, to haggle over that, especially if they, once we get into our list here and start talking, especially if they start checking off a lot of the boxes that are in my non-negotiables as a carrier sales rep, it's worth the extra money. It's worth that peace of mind knowing that I'm sending in quality to my shippers and my receivers. We're about to talk about quality here in a, in a second. Nick Dangles, yeah. uh, co-founder of Kinetic. Yeah. Of course, he's going to be on here talking about carrier sales. Great point about not having one carrier haul everything. You have to have depth in your carrier network. A deep bench, whether no matter what you do, you always have to have a deep bench, right? Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Phil Coolberth. Prepare for the pivot. Operating in vulnerable, uncertain, complex, and, and ambiguous world. He, that, he even has an acronym for this, VUCA. Uh, great right. show. Thank you very much, Phil. Love it. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so vetting carriers is, is very important. And you're talking about quality carriers, which is uh, you, you have your vetting and your, your safety and your compliance that you do by the numbers, right? Now, yeah. quality... And I don't really like the word quality, um, and I'll tell you why, is it's mm -hmm. very abstract, right? That's true. Quality, what yeah. does that mean? It means different things for different people, but I, I understand why everyone says quality, but that's what we're going to do here in the next half hour is we're going to define quality, right? Yeah. And it's that vetting process that I think is uh, ambiguous, uncertain, everything Phil was just saying, and it's something true. that if we can help everyone define just a little bit, I think we'll all be better off for it. But before that, I want to mention our sponsor, Zimbals, again. And in the frustration of chasing dead leads and start using Zimbals data, Zimbals will get you to the companies that are spending on trucking and logistics so you know where to focus your selling. Go to start.zimbals.com slash free trial and sign up for a demo today. And I'll throw that out in the comments uh, as well here in a, in a few minutes. So you have that, that website right there where you can go do a free demo. You know, check out the, the new lead sourcing uh, database here for, for trucking and logistics. So Chris, back to yes. the quality. Quality, soft costs, what makes a carrier good? I think we can define it maybe by the red flags, you know? Yeah. You know, maybe from the negative, we can de define the positive. Uh, you know, I'm going to look. So Kevin and I put together a list of this. Um, the first one, if they have multiple MC numbers, you guys, <laughs> hang up the phone. Okay? Do not entertain that. You know, it's in the form of, oh, it's our sister company or it's, oh, it's our refrigerator. I, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Some of the largest carriers out there have one MC. They don't have a dry van MC, a refrigerated MC for their asset division. If I'm wrong, I'll eat crow, but I've never personally experienced it. If you're very large, you might have a, a several different MC numbers, uh, but, but you're not swishing those out on a phone call. Number True. one, right? Yeah. And if your brother-in-law has an MC number, I, I, I guess that's okay, but I don't really want to, to know about it. Uh, yes. And I, I, I do speak, and I, I'm, I'm sure you have experience, like real-world experience in, in saying yes to those uh, situations and uh, the probabilities of things going south really, really fast or pretty high. 
Yeah, it's amazing how fast the phone doesn't work after you agree to some of those. <laughs> really weird. You but know? like everything, <laughs> I know, right? Everything that could go bad, the, the probabilities increase dramatically with any of these red flags, but specifically yeah. that one. Hostage loads uh, being mm -hmm. one of those, right? No phone call. I don't even know if these people exist anymore. Uh, yeah. Driver that, uh, you know, maybe spends a weekend in jail. Right? How'd that happen? The, yeah. I, I know it happened to me too. Um, yeah. yeah, got into a, a disagreement in Las Vegas and spent the weekend in jail. <laughs> he was very apologetic about it, but yeah. <laughs> he still I, didn't I gambled, drive us twelve hundred miles. <laughs> yeah, I gambled. I gambled away the contents of the globe, guys. Sorry, I'm in jail. No, I'm just kidding. That hasn't happened. But <laughs> and I think with any of these, if you get multiple ones all at the same time, then definitely yeah. put down yeah. the phone. Yeah, reincarnated carriers is a real thing. And, you know, that's like the yes. benefit of some of these websites that you can utilize, whether it be Carrier 411 or RMIS. Um, Safer Watch? They have a, yeah, Safer Watch as well. They list all of those because, the, like, the similarities, like, for mm -hmm. some reason, they're all out of the exact same housing complex in Chicago <laughs> or Miami or whatever. There's a paper trail there, you guys. So, like, utilize these tools. Definitely do, because I, I have utilized them before, too, and you will. You, you'll have eight, nine different uh, MC numbers all at the same address with the same phone number, with different individuals with the same last name. And, you know, and their safety ratings, not always the, the, the most stellar, as, you uh, know, you could probably assume, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. correct. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sorry. I think, uh, yeah, the, the next, the, uh, sorry, if you yeah. want to say the next one. I, um, I, the I, next one, yeah, I, I will because this actually yes. happened to me. Um, you know, <laughs> he's a single, but he runs like a, a team. Again, hit, hang up instantly. Yeah. That is, yeah. I mean, th that's the thing is because it's like as a broker, you are held accountable for these things. Like you cannot know, and then like, no, like, I got to watch what I say here because I get passionate <laughs> about this stuff because it's like, I'm not willingly going to put a solo on a, on a team that are on a team load, like ever, you mm -hmm. know, especially one that, you know, I think a lot of the listeners out there and the audience right now can say, it's like, Oh, they hear like, they can't even provide two driver cell phone numbers or they can like, cause like there's definitely um, added steps in there, but yeah, the, the, the driver who's a solo power solo can go a thousand miles over. Like those days are done. Like, I, I don't they know. They are. That they they are. I, I think the last time it happened to me was before the ELD regulations went into mm -hmm. effect. Uh, brand new customer, right? I, I'd been down to Atlanta, saw him, took him out for lunch, everything. The first load he puts me on, I get it from the load board, of course. Um, yeah. But these guys don't tell me anything. But he picked up in Charlotte, and he was in Dallas in like 18 hours, right? Or maybe 16 hours. It was something like like my, my customer he picked up the phone. And he's like. This is so totally illegal, you know. I mean, I, yeah. I don't want, I don't want my, I don't want that risk. And I was just like, I don't know what to tell you because I, I honestly didn't know. I was just like, yeah. He showed up like that that next morning or whatever, and I was just like, oh my gosh, I, I got I got oh, no. some explaining to do here. Yeah, you can't say he had a fresh clock because that just doesn't happen <laughs> at that point, and you know, and that and and that is like that's the, you know that that's the the risk of just like playing it out there and trying to find, you know, in those situations and taking those calls, like I get it. Everybody's incentivized differently, but 
it's just not worth the risk ever. It, it's yeah. just not because it, it's so difficult to continuously grow with accounts. And then you're just going to willingly risk everything like that. I just can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. No, I can't either. So what's our next one, Chris? Freight guard reports. I think you guys are all aware of these. <laughs> and, you know, like I always took them with a grain of salt. Because, like, if it was a broker reporting on a carrier and it was clearly a broker's lapse in doing their job, I'm not going to hold that against a carrier. Because, you know, when they said, oh, uh, the driver didn't call at 4 o'clock when I required him to, if it's that, I'm calling at 4 o'clock yeah. every time anyways as a broker. You know, but it's like, oh, that we fired that driver, you know, or, you know, that, that, that person's no longer associated with our company. That's just like, there's a pattern of these things. Like, and I always did the within a year rule with that. Mm -hmm. Now, if a carrier, like if there was no repeat offenses, you know, cause mistakes happen, things happen. I can't, you know, I've been, I've done plenty of stuff in my life that I, you know, would hate to be held to that when I, what I did when I was 21 years old, you know, but it's like, I think that a lot of carriers out there, like, yeah, if it's a, if it's an isolated incident, Okay, we can talk about this, it, you know, because you generally there's an action plan that kind of comes along with how they fix that to where it doesn't happen in the future. But if there's a continuous pattern of this double brokering or, mm -hmm. you know, multi cross docking, I mean, transloading, all of that stuff, unresolved, unresolved claim issues, I will say this, though, was always a non-negotiable. I don't care if it was from four yeah. years ago. That's just the one that they got caught on, in my opinion, and stuff like that. And some of those scenarios. Yeah, you, uh, on the freight car, TIA watchdog reports. Any anytime there, there's reporting, oftentimes it's it, it seems sometimes some of the complaints are, are freight brokers that are just whining and complaining. You know, mm -hmm. they, they dropped off on a load before they they picked up, or you know, yeah. they never sent in their their carrier packet. You know, I mean, who really cares, yeah. right? That that happens yeah. all the time. It's just cost of doing business. Uh, but yeah, like like hostages, uh, you know, claims, double brokering, uh, things like that. You can tell if they're serious and if they're multiple repeat offenders, or if you go back and they have multiple MC numbers all registered in the in the same yep. you know housing complex and. and Chicago, then, you know, you're getting that series of red flags that are pumped up to it. So, yeah, and that's yeah. the best part about where we are as an industry is there's a paper, a digital paper mm -hmm. trail for all of these things. So you can't say you didn't see that. Like that should be like, that's day one for me in training with carrier sales is you're always teaching them to check unless they're intrastate DOT number, but you can still check those on all of those websites that we mentioned. It is. I, I was always surprised because uh, when, whenever I started carrier list and started really prospecting and talking to a lot of brokers, doing a lot of demos, I was amazed at how many how many freight brokers just out there don't really do that much due diligence whatsoever. Mm -hmm. You know, they might go to the Safer Sys site and, yeah. and check that out, but that doesn't really tell you a whole lot of information. Uh, and, and oftentimes they, they had no policies for using conditional drivers. And I, I don't know. It was really eye-opening how many people that I talked to, how many freight brokers I talked to, who it, it, it was no concern of them. And yeah, it's a good way to get in trouble. Yeah. Pending revocation is another one as well. Yes, it is. It, you know, and it's like, mm -hmm. if you're going to let that slide, like, do, do the rest of us a favor who are doing this job right. Stop. Like, just, just retire and get out of the industry because it's giving the – you know, that's directly tied to a lot of these uh, negative reports on brokers. 
is because there are a lot that are operating unethically in that regard, and they're not vetting these carriers. So it makes mm -hmm. it extremely difficult for the people who are trying to do the right thing. That's how the, the label of you're just another broker got started. It is. Yeah, you're exactly right on, on that point, uh, certainly. Well, let's go to the next one. Not yeah. concerned about commodity or weight or really, I guess, we can extend that to any details on the load whatsoever. Correct. Yeah. Yes. That, it, to me, is, is, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. It, it goes back to, uh, you know, the sell doesn't start until you get a no, right? And whether that's you're selling to a shipper or you're selling to a carrier to take, take the load, if they're guessing you to death or if they're not really particularly worried about any of the uh, of the details of the load, it's it's not a good sign. Yeah, I mean, in all reality, in my experience, what they're doing is they're, they've, they're copying your post, they're waiting for you to tell the rate that you're trying to pay, and then they're gonna post that exact load out there and try and find somebody else and they're gonna double broker it. That's mm -hmm. my experience with that. They're not concerned about anything but the money, so then they can take that rate, repost it out, maybe switch up a little bit of the cities, but they have, they're writing down where it actually picks up and where it actually delivers and the weight and then the rate. And that's all they're taking and they're reposting it. Yeah. And I, I would say also, also the shippers out there who are working with freight brokers, if, if you're giving mm -hmm. loads to, to freight brokers and they're not really asking any details on the lane or the load or the commodity or weight or any of the details, uh, I, I would go find another freight broker, actually, because, yeah. uh, you know, they are going to, uh, to, to mess things up for you. Correct. <laughs> it's, just, it's just natural because if yeah. you don't have that information, you're going to screw it up. I mean, that's, that's just yeah. what it is. All right. So it kind of goes off to the, the next one, right, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that just co kind of covers that is they're just not concerned about pickup and delivery times. They're not like because like they're just they just don't have any intention of actually doing the load themselves with one of their own trucks. And those are just such red flags, you guys. It's like and, and I know you're like, oh, they might take the load or even worse. They accept the load and you tender it over to them. And then what? They never had a truck to begin with. You mm -hmm. know, it's not like back to the whole. It's just not about the cheapest truck, you guys. It isn't. You, you see a lot of a lot of that activity in, in kind of uh, in the brokerages that are out there who have assets, right? They're their asset and right. a brokerage. And they always have a truck available somewhere, right? Yeah. All 50 exactly. states, every 135 freight markets out there, they have a truck posted. You know, one agent or one one employee has a, a truck posted, and they are skimming information, basically. Yes, agreed. And double brokering. <laughs> they, they are strictly double brokering. Yes. No doubt about it. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, there, there isn't. Like, I mean, I'm just, I'm trying not to get fired up right now about this because it's just bringing. <laughs> I'm me trying back to get you to, fired up. <laughs> Oh, come on, Kevin. Well, I, I can, I'm trying to, this is a family show. All right. This is a family show. But yeah, I mean, like this, this, these are all intertwined. You guys are all tied together. They're all tied together. These aren't separate. This is all one big thing. So, so RPM uh, rate per mile chaser. That's, that's yeah. right. Okay. Yeah, like, and it's like, okay, I understand that you're going to experience this sometimes. You're going to have the carrier who, like we were talking about earlier, their normal reload got canceled. And they're trying to reposition their truck. But the thing is, is they tell you, they're like, hey, listen, this is a one-off mm -hmm. thing. I'm trying to get my truck down to Dallas. You have this load. Does this work out? It does. Perfect. They'll take the load. They'll do a phenomenal job. And you know what? I've used those carriers. I, I mean, I fully admit mm -hmm. it. But 
you always want to follow up with them because you never know their normal reload might get canceled. But if they're like, oh, what's this load pay? What's this load pay? I just want to know what it pays. Mm-hmm. They're chasing a rate per mile around the country. And I like, and I know I've said this, if that's your business model and you want to operate that way, more power to you. Who am I to tell you how to run your business? But as a broker, that's a red flag. That's a one-off carrier that has zero intentions on hauling this lane for us again. You're exactly right on that. That is a, it's a, it's a huge red flag. There's another one. I, I think it might be in here in a, in a certain way, but I want to ask you about it right now because it's on my mind, is uh, the, the dispatchers that, that you're talking to, especially off the load board, and they have to call their driver you know, and run it by their driver and get back to you. Kind of a, how do you handle that? Is that a red flag for you? It was at one point, but like if they got actually like the red flag was if it took them 45 minutes to get back. If it yeah. was, hey, my driver's getting offloaded right now. Let me call them and just verify them because you know what? There are owner operators and leased on drivers who own their own equipment. And they do need to give approval to take mm-hmm. these loads, but those are quick. And there's a, there's the response there. It's always going to boil back down to, to communication with me. If they call me back and say, hey, I didn't reach the driver. Give me like 15, 20 more minutes. I'll get back to you. There's a follow-up plan in place there. But I also let them know, hey, listen, if this load goes, it goes. It's not like I'm not holding this for you. Um, yep. But if they take it, they take that information, I got to check with my driver. If that's a company driver, I've never booked a load with a carrier who dispatchers make freight decisions that have to verify with the driver that they're going to do the load. I've never had that happen. It's always the dispatchers or the decision makers. They're the ones who find freight for their drivers, mm-hmm. and then they give you the information on who's going to be picking up a load for you. Yeah, I used to run into, uh, I don't know if they're dispatch agencies or, or, or what have you, but they always had to check, you know, let, let me make sure this rate is good with the driver. And they may or may not call back. And and that was yeah. fine, but it was always a hassle. And and I use those, the, you know, use, use companies with that, that contract uh, quite a bit. And, you know, they're, they're at, you know, about, about average, right? Something, yeah. Sometimes bad things happen. Most of the time, nothing really happened at all. But it was always just a pain to, to have to go through all those different steps. Um, what about, and we have this down here, uh, if a dispatcher is refusing to give you uh, driver information or truck I'm information, never, too. Yeah, I'm not going to yeah. tender him a load. It's not worth it. You know, like I... I understand that there are measures in place that carriers have to avoid what brokers are notorious for, blowing up driver's cell phones 24-7, even though they're on tracking and everything else. I get that. But I at least need a driver name, truck and trailer number to begin with. Um, But I also had those things built in that, listen, I'm not going to tender you a load unless I speak to the driver. But that dispatcher knew about that prior to accepting the load. Those were one of the things Mm -hmm. where... I would notify them, this is the way it's going to be. This is my customer's freight here, okay? And I'm here to protect my relationship with my customers. So therefore, no driver information or phone number, no rate confirmation. Yeah, did you always get the the truck and trailer number as well? Or is that, you did? Yeah, I always got the truck and trailer information just because I, like, if you're going to take a load and switch out a driver and not tell me, that's a red flag. I don't want you hauling my freight. Like, I understand you got to swap drivers because you know what? You might have four drivers getting offloaded in Ontario, California, and one gets unloaded faster. And boom, let's put that driver on there that initially had a later pickup. And you know, you got to coordinate it. But they let us know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a like, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole of trying to track down who's picking up my freight because as a broker, 
I'm selling on the fact that I know what's going on. I can't have that. <laughs> I'm going to lose all the credibility in the world. Yeah, you know, I, it kind of all boils down to details. You want details. You want, you want to provide your carriers with details. You want your carriers to provide you with details. And details, you know what's going on, right? You know what's yes. going on. It's, it's a more truthful, trusting relationship than very vague things of, you know, my driver is supposed to be there today. Right. Yeah, exactly. And like back to like, I'm not going to withhold him. I'm, I don't win if I'm withholding information from my carriers, mm -hmm. you know, like, and, and I understand some brokers will operate in this and this is generally in the first, but even this Kevin, I think is a, like you, you, you source the wrong carrier if you can't give them pickup information or the pickup number prior to showing up. Like, I think, I think in your gut, you know, you source the wrong carrier. And that's like, if yeah. I don't give them this information, then they'll have to call me when they arrive. I don't know. I think you might have you might have booked the wrong carrier to begin with. You did, yes. You, you definitely. If, you, if you're nervous about that, you, you've already made your mistake. Yeah. You, you really have. I, so, I, so the probabilities I, of something I, bad I, happening or or going through the roof right now as as a truck is is hopefully going to the pickup location, right? Yeah. Hopefully, it, it's not a multi-day transit, and you got to sweat that one out for four days. Then they're done. That <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh my god. <laughs> I have horror stories about that. I, uh, I used to have some flatbeds, you know, a project from uh, like Owensbury, K Kentucky to um, Prince Prince Rupert Island up in BC, just just near yeah. near Canada. And, and most of that was was uh, you know that at the time certainly the, the cell phone reception wasn't very good getting out into to Western Canada and up up in no man's land up there. And you're just hoping. Yeah. Hoping all the time that nothing bad happened, and then something bad <laughs> did happen, and I, I never heard the end of it. So, yep. uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like uh, um, taking it below the quoted rate. They are not your friends. Yes. What do you mean by that? I like I've never met a carrier who, if I'm quoting them sixteen hundred bucks on a load, for example, and they're like, "No, nah, let me book it for fifteen hundred. Uh, let you need to make a little money here." And then had it work out. I've fallen for that trap. Generally, like that, that number is is very uh, on shorter hauls. That'll never happen. It's always the longer haul loads. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I'd fall into that trap of you know Atlanta to Los Angeles, for example, and they'll do it for four hundred dollars less than everybody else because you know what, you deserve to make a couple of bucks. They're putting it on the rail. All right, plain and simple. That's mm -hmm. all they're doing. Yeah, if they come in way under market, uh, that, that that is a red flag, you know. Yes. Hopefully they're they're putting it on rail because there's a lot a lot worse things they can do uh, with it than yeah. that, right? Yeah. It's it's exactly. that's where you really really get into uh, headaches whenever yeah whenever they come in bottom dollar. Right. And that's yes. the problem with with using bottom dollar. What I, I have a question here. We don't have it on the list. Uh, we'll, and we'll publish this list out with the post with uh, the link to the show uh, on LinkedIn. It's not on the list. And sometimes it's a good, you know, I, I don't like it. But, you know, a lot of people use fuel advances or give out fuel advances to carriers. So if, if carriers are asking for you, uh, certainly ones that you haven't worked for with before, are asking you for a fuel advance, is that a red flag? Hmm. It's tough, I, you know? It, it is tough because 
as somebody who's starting a business and kind of building it up, I mm-hmm. understand the importance of oh, cash yeah. flows. And there is, you know, there is time where we're paying for a lot of stuff out of our pocket and we're waiting for our receivables mm-hmm. to come in. So I understand that. Uh, but if they're asking for it prior, they're like, hey, for me to even pick this load up, I need you to front me $400 for fuel. I'm sorry. That's not my responsibility. Yeah. But if they're like, hey, once I'm loaded, I will need a fuel advance. I'll give you the seal number, case count, mm-hmm. everything you need. Then, yeah, of course. I'll send you a fuel advance in that in that uh, scenario. I, I agree with that. I, I, I do. And there's a lot of frauds and schemes uh, that, that that we hear about here at Freight Waves all the time. And, oh, yeah. and I hear about from customers of people, you know, calling using other people's MC numbers and it's just outright fraud. And mm-hmm. you just have to really protect yourself from that. Um but that's a it's, a it's a good list. It's a good list. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to take this list and, and wrap it into a blog post uh, later on this week uh, at sonar.freightwaves.com. And, you know, it's it gives you a pretty good context details. I, I think that's that's my main key takeaway from from this list and defining quality is that everyone there's a free flow of information and details, details to back up what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing is there's, there's a checks and balance system at that point. They have to be able to provide answers to the questions that you have, that you have discussed with your sales rep and everybody else involved to ensure that we're sourcing the right carriers in these because it's just never going to be worth it, in my opinion. And it's general, like I said, it's over a small amount. If you misquoted your freight by $700, that's on you. But if we're talking 50 to 100 bucks, I, as a sales rep, it's worth the extra hundred bucks knowing that that driver and carrier yes. are going to show up on time, deliver on time, invoices properly. If there's a lumper fee, they're going to report that up front. It's worth it. It's always going to be worth it. You know how to always jinx a load? Say everything's going to be all right. <laughs> well, that's another way to jinx a load. But another way is carrier calls you, 1500 bucks, great. You hang up. Another carrier calls you, oh, I'll do it for $1,400 and you take the cheaper rate. Oh yeah! Every there time you go. do that, you jinx it. You are going. Yes. You're going to spend three days in 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 a pit of of hell because of that. Or, Always. Or they just fall. Yeah. Or they they'll just fall off within twenty oh, minutes because they found another load for fifteen hundred bucks. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> They're shopping around. We're all shopping around. Yeah, Not really exactly. the greatest thing in the world. So, uh, <laughs> thanks thanks for uh, joining me today, Chris Jolly. Yeah. Did you watch the FreightWave Sales and Marketing Summit last week? I did. It was, I, I just, I'm a nerd when it comes to all this stuff. And I'm just like, I like back to what I said, sometimes the best, you know, the best perspective is a fresh perspective. Mm-hmm. And when you're just watching somebody else and talk about their experiences and what's worked for them, what hasn't worked for them, like you have to be a student of the game because this is constantly changing. This is constantly evolving. And if there's something you can learn and apply it to your day to day, that's going to help you grow. I'm on board no matter what. Yeah. And I love watching those events. Always perfect. You can go to live.freightwaves.com and, and get all of those sessions on demand. You can also find, put that copy down and all our other podcasts and TV shows on our podcasting network, FreightCast, as well as FreightWaves TV. And tune in next, year, next, next week for a special guest, uh, author of a book. I, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I got friends only want to talk business. I got expensive to win these expensive. I got expensive to win these expensive.
Not a shot.